Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I'm just going to set Cece up to read her word, okay? And I wanted to um, mention that I had read, um, let's do number eight there, so whoa. I read this thing from Chris Vallotton, and I feel like it's going to go along with what she wants to say to us today. You know, one of the main scriptures that um, God had just birthed on my heart this morning was, um, let me just read it to you. It's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. I'll just, just read this one verse. It says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. That's the operation that we're experiencing in here today where, um, you know, God reveals something that you have need of. See, when you walk in the room, the Holy Spirit in me activates for the needs that you bring in the room. That's just how the Holy Spirit works because I have chosen to let him speak through me. And see, some of y'all have the same prophetic gift. So when people come in the room, you something in you feels weird. So like that's Keisha and I's technical term, we feel weird. So like she sent me a text during small group. She says, I have a headache. I feel like I'm going to be sick. And I said, me too. But see, we've learned instead of going to the bathroom just to be sick, we've learned to say, Holy Spirit, what do you have? It's not like people walk in the room and they just feel like they're going to throw up or something, although you may. But the point of what is an activation of the Holy Spirit. And it says, now the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is. So if you come to a service and I'm here, the spirit of the Lord is going to be here because I'm going to cultivate my time with the Holy Spirit when you're not here. You can too. Say, I can too. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. I believe in you. Okay. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I like the Amplified. It says emancipation from bondage, true freedom. And so in, in the Passion, he says that the moment one turns to the Lord. So see, that's really what the Spirit of Prophecy is. The Spirit of Prophecy is, hey, I see you. This is God speaking. I see you. I know your name. And he's turned to you just in that moment. He turned to you. And he recognized that you came in the room. And then where the Spirit of the Lord is, it says, the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, this is verse 16 in the Passion, the veil is lifted and they see. It doesn't mean you see everything all at once in the Spirit. It means you see how to get out of bondage in that moment. That's why he said, because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's emancipation for you. He's offering, today he offered to the parents the way out of guilt. Now you can leave here with guilt, and you know it well. Or, I mean, trust me, I have spiritually parented way more children than any of y'all have had children, even though I know the channels have a lot of children, but it's way more. It's way more. And some have become this passionate lover of God and others have walked away. I mean, I've had people go on social media and say bad things about me. And I'm like, I was just trying to love you. <laughs> right? So that's not, a, that's not a stopper. So just like he offered you a way out today, whatever your children are doing has nothing to do with your assignment. If your children are gone, your assignment remains. 
So let's look at it. Real, this is Chris Vowden. Three places that you think. Now, this will help you when you hear her word, okay? Number one is thinking from your body. So we are all, can you see that? It's so tiny. Sorry. We are all aware that certain chemicals, foods, and sleep habits affect our physical or natural mind. Does everyone agree with that? Okay. Everybody kind of does. Our natural mind is also quite busy orchestrating an entire ecosystem that is keeping us alive. Kind of makes you want to give your mind a break, doesn't it? Kind of want to have a little more compassion for your mind than you did earlier, you know, because your mind's really busy. Isn't it? Do you agree that it's busy? How many feel like your mind's pretty busy? Right. Now, see, the goal in life is to teach us Remember what I told you, God's mission every day is to help you renew or change your mind back to his ways. You came from heaven. You got a stint here on earth to fulfill an assignment and bring heaven to earth. See how good you do on that. If you do really good, you get rewarded, right? Our natural mind is quite busy orchestrating an entire ecosystem that is keeping us alive. It is accomplishing all of this Below the conscious level. That's why God loves to speak metaphorically. Listen, I didn't used to be, I didn't be, I didn't used to understand the metaphor because I was very black and white. I'm cleric and they just are. They just think they're right. And when I gave up being right, I began to see metaphorically. Because see, I was so busy right fighting, right talking. I couldn't see the metaphors of God. Anybody in here, you don't have to raise your hand, but if you're black and white thinking, you know it. And if you don't give that up, you're, you're going to miss. And, and Jesus only spoke in parables. Think about it for a minute. <laughs> That's kind of funny to me. And the disciples were like, why are you talking like that? And he said, because I hid the mysteries from the intellectuals. If you think you know it all, mm, dang. Okay. Our natural mind knows that knows things that it does not make us conscious of unless it needs our input. So like right now, I'm getting kind of hungry, right? My body just now told me, oh, I'm getting, that's what that is. I'm getting hungry. It was getting hungry before it told me. Just an example. Okay, helpful, he said. But if our body encounters a battle that requires our attention, it sends us a signal in the form of pain so that we can participate in dealing with the illness. Now, see, I don't have time to talk about it today, but we have all kinds of responses to that. Because honestly, humanity is all trying to get out of pain. But it could mean something else. Just like this example I talked about intercession. When you begin to become aware of the spiritual gift you have, you realize, oh, it's busy. I mean, the spiritual gift is like pointing to stuff all the time and it's dreaming about stuff all the time. And I just thought it was bad pizza. I believe, this is my belief. I know everybody doesn't believe this, but I believe, I, I interpret dreams almost every day of my life. I believe that the sold out, bride-pursuing-like person that loves the Lord God with all their heart, soul, and mind, 
I believe our sleep is protected by the Holy Spirit. And I believe there is a metaphoric message in every single dream we have. But I believe that we weren't trained to know that. And so we freak out. How many have ever freaked out about a dream and thought it was literal? And then what do you say? I don't want to have any more dreams like that. Oh, please, God. Please, God, help me not have any bad dreams. He's like, they're not bad to me. I propose nightmares are not bad to him. It's just the way that I perceive what it said. If I can begin to train myself to hear the Spirit, He will show me mysteries. I can tell you half of Cece's dreams are like R-rated. And, I'm just kidding. It's, they're, they're, they're like death and mayhem and swords and all kinds of stuff that she's nothing like. And I've always said that she could write a sci-fi novel just with her dreams. But they really mean something. She had a tornado dream the other night and it just skimmed right over the top. It has a meaning. It's exciting when you begin to want to know the mysteries of God. Number two, real quick, thinking from your soul. So that was thinking from the body, now the soul, because we're three-part being. Say, I'm three-part being. I may not even understand this today, but I still am. We call this dimension of thinking processing from the heart. I'm convinced our heart or our soul knows things the other two elements are fully unaware of. He could have phrased that. He probably could have said it. They aren't fully aware of it. So there's other, the other two parts. So your heart is processing information. Our mind right here is processing information. All this is happening. The heart feels its way through life and is sensitive to emotions. How many feel like they're kind of an emotional being? Everybody should raise your hand because you all are. We all deal with our emotions differently. It's the home where things like love, passion, and mercy live. For example, if someone hurts your feelings, anybody hurt your feelings this week? You're a candidate to understand this. If someone hurts your feelings or a person close to you dies, I've had that happen, it affects the way you think. So it's a good example for me. So I wouldn't say my dad and I were tight, but... I, and he was sick for 25 years. So, you know, I mean, that's a long time for someone to be sick. But every now and then, the last week, I'll wake up and I'm like, oh yeah, he's gone. Oh yeah, like he's, he's could be a rock right now, but he's just in the urn right now. That's all he is. He's, you know, he's not around anymore. And it's in that moment that I have to change the way I think. It's, it, I, it, I didn't have a choice. And see, think about it for a second. Your soul is processing your information. She's going to read a word today, and your soul is going to begin to process this information. It's, it's going to say, well, how do I feel about that? It might trigger you. Don't you love a good trigger? How many love a good trigger? Yeah? Don't you love that? Don't you love when God just triggers you when you're just minding your own business? You're not even trying to get triggered, and bam, all of a sudden. It's so good, isn't it? And then he comes in, and he messes you all up right there. I just love a good trigger. It says, your soul deals with hurts and disappointments. That's where we feel it the most. Have you ever been hurt or disappointed? I mean, I was hurt this week. I was a little disappointed this week, right? Have you, were you? Probably happens almost every week, right? It's, it, this is all about how we process information. Um, it says, your soul deals with this all the time. But when it gets overwhelmed and needs your help to heal, it often sends signals in the form of emotional pain, such as depression, anger, or grief. Now, let me help you. Pam prayed for a bunch of people, she told me on Wednesday night, that have, were dealing with depression. Depression 
is in the psychological world, I think they got it wrong. I think if we would learn that the Holy Spirit is trying to present us with something that he's able to heal in the moment. But when I don't, I take some steps down another road. And eventually, if I'm not careful, it'll lead to coping mechanism, mechanisms. Cece can testify. She was on all kinds of meds for depression. It'll lead to taking these meds. It'll lead to all kinds of addictions. It'll lead to excessive sleeping. Why? There's a place right there where you took a right and you could have got healing. It's not complex. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke. Ah, I'm so easy. I'm humble of heart. I'm compassionate. I can heal every single thing. And see, we've got to choose, you know, in, in your lifetime, since you're on the planet now, there's so much more information about how to actually receive healing, how to actually sustain healing. And, and we've got to avail ourselves of this education. We've got to be educated to be the brides. We, it says the bride made herself ready. Can't, you know, the, it wasn't like the anemic, oh, Jesus, come take me to my mansion just on the other side of Pam's. It's, it's not a pitiful life. You are a powerful overcomer. Jesus already paid the price. Now you're just trying to wield these tools and these uh, weapons that he has, that he's given you. You've got all kinds of weapons. Listen, the fight has changed. And my childhood is different now. We're on a different, and this is what CC is going to help us see today. The fight has changed. If we can receive this word today and take it on, the fight will be easier. Last one, thinking from your spirit. Paul said, I've been talking about, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In other words, we have the ability to think from the spirit. Isn't that good? That's what I'm trying to teach y'all to do. Cece says it like this because she wasn't raised in church, so she didn't have that religious spirit. But she said it's like looking out of her peripheral. For me, it's a knowing. I, I just, I know he came into the room and I know this is what he wants to do. He just, he, he, it's not like he showed me a picture. It's just inside me. I just know he wants to heal somebody right now. That's, that's just how it works. It's bumped down. Because God designed us to be spiritually resilient, often we are unaware that this level of negativity is happening around us until our spirit needs help. So listen, the demonic is the negative. Not you. That's not in you. Remember, you're in the arms of God. It's your awareness of His presence that changes you to see the circumstances differently. All the negativity, all the chaos is all orchestrated by the enemy. And when I bow to it and I participate with it, I create activities in my family to keep the chaos going or to try to shut it out and stick my head in the sand and act like it doesn't exist. And that whole process is really what he's trying to change for us. And I wanted to invite Cece to come and read her word to us. And, um, of course, we're going to be exploring it more in the days to come. Come, Cece. Thank you, Tisa. Wow, what a powerful day. 
Oh, wow. It's been so amazing. Well, um, thank you, Tisa. You set, you set this word up very well. I'm confident that you did. There's, I feel like there's, I, I could share like a million disclaimers right now, but I'm going to resist the urge and trust the Holy Spirit. Right. I'm not going to do it. I am going to set it up, though, in the way that the Holy Spirit leads me to, to share, um, to frame it for you a little bit, um, to frame this word. So um, the other night, Thursday, late Thursday night, early Friday morning, yeah, I woke up and I was just filled with all of this hopelessness and confusion, and everything seemed so chaotic in my mind. And so I was tossing around in my bed for a while, and I finally decided to get up. And I, I had to really make myself sit down and write with, with Papa because the level of hopelessness was so intense on me that night that even my go-to method for talking with him and processing things, it seemed almost too hard, you know. So I really had to press into getting up and writing with him. And so I'm so glad I did because he gave me this word and, um, and I'm, I'm glad I get to share it with you today. Um, one thing I, I, I want to frame this word, as she said, it's a global word. And the way that I see that or interpret that is that, you know, you can zoom in on something and look at it microscopically, or you can zoom out really big and see it macroscopically. And so not long ago, I talked about how important it was to know the narrative in this present day of what God's doing. What's the story that God's up to right now on this macro level? Because if we try to look at something, you know, like they have those little puzzles, like where it zooms in real close on a detail of the picture, and then you have to try to figure out what you're looking at. And you can't tell almost because it will look like something else if you zoom in so far. You can't tell until you zoom out what you're looking at. So it's the same concept, and, and um, God really wants us to know his macro version of what he's doing on the earth right now and what's going on, so that when we interpret our smaller details of our life experiences on a day-to-day -day basis, we can interpret them according to his narrative, what he's doing on the earth. That way we'll see it accurately with him, and we'll process it accurately. And so... Um, this is one of those words where I was so zoomed in on how I was feeling, and he pulled me out and showed me this overarching picture. And then he released a truth to me, because eventually I, I kind of got to that point where I'm like, well, why are you telling me all this? Like, how do I apply this to how I was feeling? And so in his mercy and his fathering spirit that he wants to teach and train and nurture us, then he zoomed back in and gave me a word for my to apply to me personally. So then I can go forward and process what the big picture through the detailed, more detailed message of, of what he told me about me. Now, I'm going to try to read through the entire word without stopping. We'll see if the Holy Spirit gives me a nudge to stop. I will, but, um, but and I'll, I'll, I'm going to add a couple of thoughts at the end um, that the Holy Spirit has told me. But there is one, at some point, you're going to hear me talk about what he said to me, okay? He said to me to, about how he sees me, kind of like Tisa prayed over um, some people today. So how he sees me. Now, the way that this works is 
seeing how he sees me and the truth about me gives me permission and hope and encouragement to pursue living that truth out. So it doesn't mean I'm doing it perfectly now. It doesn't mean I'm operating fully in what he said yet, but I'm on my way. And knowing that he says it's in me to do it, then gives me the courage to go on. So I wanted to say that up front because I don't want anybody to discount themselves from receiving what God says about you, because this is a corporate word, not just a personal word for me. So no matter who you are, no matter where you are on your journey, like she said, if you have made Jesus your Lord and Savior, then this is true about you, and you, you could be anywhere on in this process, and we all are at different stages of this journey. So, okay, with that, let's, let's jump in. So I wrote, I'm so confused. I'm so scared. I just have to start talking with Papa about where I'm at, you know. So I said, I feel as if everything is distorted and that I'm barely hanging on to the truth, Papa. I'm barely hanging on to reality. I feel so many things, most of which are not good. I see, and then I began to see this picture. I saw a picture right now of lines redacted. And I think we have a slide, if we could put up the redacted slide. Um, what does it mean, Papa? What does it mean? I saw a, this picture of lines redacted. So when she gets that picture up there, hopefully you'll that'll click with what that means. Uh, I think it's the last slide. So redacted, is everybody familiar with what redacted means? It's like blacked out. If you if somebody if you request medical records from somebody, they might or legal records, they might redact confidential information or something they don't want you to see. Okay. So I saw this image of redacted lines, and I, I said, redacted lines, like this, speak of a file that has portions omitted, usually a file that documents, documents official facts on a subject, a file that reports what was said, what was found, what was documented to be true or to have truly happened. You're showing me redacted lines of a file like this redacted lines in a skyline and I saw that they looked like they were over like the city over our our communities over our our country you know redacted lines in a skyline I said Papa I know sometimes you have to take me out to show me what's inside is that what you're doing I said honestly it sounds kind of nice <laughs> Papa please take me out of this swirling hole I feel like I'm in take me out and place me on solid ground again, the solid ground of your firm foundation of truth. And he said, daughter, son, the enemy is attempting to blot out the truth of my existence in this world. The redacted lines in the sky speak of the audacity of his attempt to block my people's view of me. As if the sun, the sky, could be overwritten by some other scenery. You are feeling the worldly view on display right now. You are feeling the results of humanity's mindset when they believe the redaction of foundational truth. People are lost, confused, turned upside down and inside out. Their moral compass is constantly spinning as if the equator itself is shifting. 
Help is on the way for those lost and afraid. I will not stand idly by while the unsanctified attempt to topple my world. It's to their benefit, you see, that you lose sight of me. It's to their benefit for you to lose sight of sanctity. If you look back through time, it's obvious that man will not live without serving a God of some kind. When none seemed present, when they couldn't find me, mankind made their own God to worship and serve. Carved out of wood, crafted out of gold, mankind would have a God to pray to, a God to serve one way or another. So the enemy knows that if he can cloud the mind, redact the sky, and block me from your sight, that you will gladly accept the God he intends to serve up. Yes, resting now on a silver platter, ready to be served like the meal of a Savior, is a God who intends to be worshipped by mankind. His weight, however, is less than the plate he rests on. (laughs) He will amount to nothing without the hearts and minds of followers. I, however, am the God of substance. I am rich with texture, with power, with depths and heights of glory beyond measure. Yes, my glory has weight. My glory is a real substance, not the wishes of idol worshipers. No, my glory is made up of the is not made up of the breath or thoughts of mankind. My glory is not made up of the breath or thoughts of mankind. My glory is a substance of its own measure. My glory stands with or without the attention of man. Reality, my child, is not a substance made up by mankind's attention. Reality is not subjective, as has been suggested. There is a real existence in my eyesight, no matter the version held in a soul's own eyes. There is a real existence in my eyesight, no matter the version held in a soul's own eyes. This concept of mixture leading to more freedom offends the very definition of creation. I hovered over the darkness where there was no separation of color, a vast expanse of nothingness, and I began to create. I began to call the something out of the nothing. Simply put, it was my calling, my defining that created existence. To say what I defined is subject to one's own mind is to make them creator, the God of their own existence. The end game is easy to see. It's to place them on the throne instead of me. The problem, of course, is that, as I've already said, mankind is uncomfortable being their own God. It goes so against their design that they, by nature, will place themselves in subjection to another. They'll carve an idol or craft an image, or easier still, accept the one being delivered. 
So, my daughter, my son, why do I tell you this? Why am I painting this overarching picture for you? It's to explain all that you're seeing. Your unrest is not your own, but that of the world being tossed to and fro. Double-mindedness has fractured into a multitude of mindsets that has left the world in torment. You are sensing the spirits of this age that war against me. They do not live in you. They do not hold you. They do not have you held captive. You are, in fact, so safely held by me that I can trust you with what you see. You are, in fact, so captivated by me that I can trust your discernment of what you see. Yes, my child, I trust you. Yes, I trust you. Yes, I trust you. Allow me to speak of what I see. I see my child, who from the beginning was so steadfast, determined to hold and stay attached to original truth. Some have the design of an explorer, of a wanderer, eager to discover on their own, to find their own way, to find the truth of the world around them based on their own experiences. Some have a purpose for me in that design. But you, well, that was never you. You are the kind perfectly content with standing by my side. You had no need to leave me in order to find me on your own. You were not the child who longed to be free to find their own way. You were the child content to stay. Content to stay under the covering of parenting. Content to stay firmly fastened to truth as it was presented. Your loyalty is an extension of this part of your design. You are a stayer, a sticker. You desire to stay where you were planted. You desire to stick with the original plan. You are loyal and steadfast, seeing things through to the very end. Yes, my delight, you have always been content to stay by my side. When I saw you grow and develop in this world, I took delight in the hold you had on my hand. I took delight in your firm grip that never, ever slipped. You were the newborn, firmly gripping a finger on your father's hand. It was your most natural response to me, to hold on to the one holding you. The full weight of your existence rested in the palm of my hand, but your own grip said, this is where I'm meant to be holding the hand of the one holding me. So, my daughter, my son, your experience in this world, in the natural, may have painted another picture. But in truth, you were only running to find a clearing so you could see your father's hand again. Now that you can see, allow yourself to delight in the view delighting me. When you see my hand, 
you will always see that yours is still there holding me. So, my sweet child, you are steadfastly planted in me. You are so anchored to me. You are so familiar with me that you know the atmosphere of my presence thoroughly. My atmosphere is the home you've always known. It's your true north, your steadfast reality. You know my presence, my reality, so very well that I can trust you with what you see. I can trust that when you view a world spinning out, that you'll know it's not of me. I can trust you that when you feel a mind in torment, that you will know it's not of me. I trust you, my sweet one, because you have always known me. You have always known me. There is no mixture in your knowledge of home which makes you well able to separate colors. Yes, you, like me, have the divine ability to separate the colors in the darkness. I can trust you with what you see because you see it rightly and know what is or isn't me. This gift in your design can be a gift you give to others. This clarity of knowing, of seeing colors rightly, is a gift I designed for you to give. You can look at the torment, at the swirling darkness around others, and call out the colors like me. You can speak to reveal what ought not be and release them into living color. Yes, living color. Take hold of that, my daughter, my son. Take hold of that. You are anchored, securely held by the living colors of the bride's veil. There is no darkness or shadow of turning in your bridegroom, the one who holds you. You've never left my side. You know me well, so you can be an anchor for those lost at sea. You can be the anchor to the color they need. Oh, Papa, we just thank you. Thank you for the way you speak. Thank you for the way you speak so freely at this point in time in history that you are speaking the Father's heart over us so thoroughly, so willingly, that you are eager to speak to us. Thank you that you are eager to let other people, other people on this earth feel your own heart so that they can speak it and release it over others. We just thank you, Papa. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you planned long ago for us to hear you like this, that you planned long ago that there would be places like this in Edmond, Oklahoma, in the United States, all over the world. There would be places where people would speak your heart so it could be known because you have always wanted to be known. I thank you that you are more powerful than any blockade, any barrier in anyone's heart or mind at this day. You are more powerful than that. And you are more determined, even than the enemy, that your heart be heard and felt and experienced and known in a deep, deep way by your children. So I thank you for your release of this word today. I thank you for this truth that you've released, not over some people, but over all of your children. All of your children, this is true. 
So I thank you, Papa, and I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will continue to work to pursue the breakthrough of this truth being known in each person's heart and mind. I thank you that you're not nervous about where we're at in our process, and thank you that it, it doesn't. you're not nervous at all if this doesn't resonate with anybody, and you're not nervous about people rejecting the word, because as you've said before, your word does not return void. When you speak, it does not return void. So I thank you today for your perfect work in this word. We just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We can't stop saying thank you. We love you, we love you, we love you. Oh, so we love you so much. We love you so much. We love you so much. Before I, I completely, I, before I close up, I want to share a few other things that I heard prophetically over this word and what it meant as it continued to unfold for me in the last couple of days. So, you know, um, I hope that you guys could connect the dots that that kind of experience that I started off with feeling like I don't even know what's real. I don't even know what reality this is. I don't, I have so hopeless. I was confused. I was scared. Everything's looked distorted. Um, that that's the, that is what depression looks like. That's what anxiety looks like. That's what mental illness look, looks like. That's what fear looks like in our hearts and minds. And so this word is actually speaking to that experience in people, okay? That your, your, any depression that somebody has is not just about your circumstances. It's not, there's a difference even between sadness or sorrow and depression. We can, if we have truth about our circumstances, then we might be sad and have some sorrow that they aren't yet what God has said they will be. But that's different than depression because depression carries hopelessness. Depression says there's no hope for it ever to be any better. Depression says this is never going to change. And in fact, it's only going to get worse. And you better just get your expectations down. And so this word actually speaks to depression, mental illness, anxiety, all of the things that are plaguing our people, God's people and the people who aren't God's people yet. Everyone is plagued with this right now, and he's bringing an answer to this. And if you heard, the, the, the solution to this is knowing one true reality. It's knowing that God has an absolute truth. God has an absolute truth. The, the truth, this, this concept being put out into the world right now that, you know, reality is just what you decide it's going to be, you know, you can just, however you feel that day is what's real, you know, that is such a dangerous place to try to operate from. That's such a dangerous place to operate from because it leads to what he outlined here. It leads to putting you on the throne of your own existence. And there will be a day, no matter where you are in your journey, that you will wake up and not like your reality. Yes. And if you think you made it, yes. then you are going, and the hopelessness that you feel will speak louder than the reality of the freedom that's available to you. Yeah. If everything you feel you consider to be absolute truth, you will go down, you will drown in sorrow and depression and hopelessness. There, every human being needs a God. And that's been proven historically. You can look at all that. There's, there's a multitude. You could, there's Greek gods. There's, you know, I mean, there's every, everybody. Humanity has always wanted a God and needed a God. 
And when humanity rejects the God, they're still subjecting themselves to another God. It will always happen. And so we have to recognize that there is one true God. There is one absolute truth. There is one reality of what's taking place. And then we can make choices, and we all have the freedom of choice, to align ourselves with the narrative of what God's doing, of what God is speaking to us about how we can partner with him in what he's doing and what he wants the reality on earth to be. He has one goal, he has one truth, and it is an absolute truth. And if the tiniest way that we can align ourselves with that becomes that that thing, that one thread that starts to unravel the hopelessness and starts to unravel the confusion and starts to set us on a course that's actually freeing to our soul and to our spirit and our physical bodies. Now, I have to include this here because... The Holy Spirit won't let me not. But while we were praying for people today, and I knelt down at the front towards the end of that time of ministry, I saw this picture of what, because of my science background, I knew was an immunoglobulin. Okay? No, you don't have to understand all that. But here, brief science background backdrop to this little story. Okay? Because this is one of the crazy things about, I actually came out of, I I worked in the medical field and clinical research, very scientific minded, my degrees in in science and all of that. None of this stuff was anything I had ever done. None of this, okay? None of this way that I flow or operate was anything I was familiar with. And so, um, and I was 30, 39 years old when I, when I began to um, hear and have these things awakened in me. So, but back in that other world and see the Holy Spirit, God will use whatever you came out of. So he uses it all the time for me. So um, when I worked in clinical research for the first 12 years, I worked in clinical research. I worked on specifically a certain disease that was an autoimmune disease. Now you've probably heard by now there are tons of autoimmune diseases on the forefront of of the medical world right now, tons of autoimmune diseases. An autoimmune disease basically means it's your own immune system working against you. Your immune system turns on auto to you, like auto you, okay? So your immune system, instead of defending you, turns on you, yourself. And so this particular disease, um, the the, uh, concept of... Um, monoclonal antibody treatments was just being launched into and while I was in this field. And so um, this being one of the really big diseases that, that was an autoimmune disease, I, I worked on all of these research studies with all these monoclonal antibody studies. And they, I knew what the structures were, and because of my education, I know some stuff about immunology. So immunology, okay, brief science, blah, blah, blah. The reason monoclonal antibody um, treatments have become such a big thing right now is that they use this lock and key method. And so if you have something wrong with your immune system, then the idea is that we'll send something into your body that will attach in this particular lock in your body. It's the key that fits in the lock, right? It's the key that fits in that one lock that we know will turn your immune system down. And so it's a way to manipulate your immune system. We say, hey, your immune system's too active. We're going to insert this little key that's coded to meet that particular keyhole in your body, and it will down-regulate your immune system to make it shut off. That's why you have to be careful if you're on those kind of treatments because you're more susceptible to other types of illnesses because your immune system is, is suppressed. So 
I know what that little chemical, what that little diagram looks like. And so I knew that this picture he showed me was an immunoglobulin, and, but it was not just any immunoglobulin. It was what's called an IgG. So immunoglobulins have all these different types, and it's capital I, lowercase g, and then it'll have a capital letter after it, IgM, IgA, I think, and there's an IgG. All that to say, the Holy Spirit told me that in this word, what he was releasing was immunoglobulin G into our bodies and our souls, our spirits today for this very topic. He was releasing immunoglobulin God, okay? immunoglobulin God into your operating system. And so it is going to turn down the way you are working against yourself, that your own personal defenses are targeting you, sabotaging you, keeping you in hopelessness. And it is turning the key today. It is the key for the keyhole of everything we've talked about today. So you have received the IgG immunoglobulin to downregulate your immune system. Okay. You receive it. So I'm just saying the Holy Spirit has been very, very intentional with this word, just because it's a macro word and a global word. Don't think that it does not apply to you. It has been released. If you heard it today, if you're hearing it at some point on the recording, you can receive it. It is available. You are receiving it and you can partner your hope with it. And then you just begin to ask him how do I, what do I do in this? What do I do with myself in this particular moment, in this circumstance to align with your truth? And then we just walk that out. We just start walking that out. The last thing I want to say is that, um, Tisa and I were trying to relax a little bit. So we decided we would watch this movie. Well, we had heard that, you know, they just Academy Awards, I guess, just took place. And so the winningest movie came out. Um, this is not a, a, you know, a suggestion to see the movie by any means. But there's a movie and it's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. And so we decided we'd watch this movie. And it was really funny because at one point Tisa said, can we turn this off? Because I don't, I haven't even been watching for like 15 minutes. She's tuned out because it was, it's kind of an odd movie. Okay. It's very bizarre. So um, I was kind of tracking with it though. So the next day we finished the movie and I would sum it up like this, that the movie is about an existential crisis. The movie is about someone who doesn't know, do y'all know what an existential crisis is? It means I don't know why I exist. I don't know what matters, what's real, none of this matters, okay? That's what he was talking about in this word, is feeling like reality has become so fractured. And literally in the movie, they say, the end result of this experience Okay, which is the same thing that so many movies are on right now about the uh, multiverse, that there are different versions of reality, right? All these different movies, the Marvel movies, there's different versions of reality. And depending on what you choose or what portal you go through or whether or not you're Ant-Man, whatever, you can you can go to one every of reality. That means reality is subjective. That's the concept that there is not one absolute God, but there's actually multiple realities, okay? It is a lie, and I'm telling you, it is from the enemy that that is being highlighted and pushed out right now, and it has a direct connection to this topic of depression, anxiety, mental illness, and all of that hopelessness in this world because of what he's saying here. So 
It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. The main character, her, her um, this isn't going to ruin it for you, I promise, if you decide to see it, but it, she says basically the end result is nothing matters. The end result is nothing matters. Now, do you feel the hopelessness of that? Why bother working out? Why bother eating good? Why bother having self-discipline? Why bother doing anything if nothing matters? It is a deep, deep, deep anchor to hopelessness to think that nothing matters because it says that there's not a God rooting for you. There's not a Jesus praying for you and interceding for you. There's not a Holy Spirit searching the heart of God to reveal to you what you need to know, that you don't have a warrior team that's fighting for you, the triune Godhead. That's what it means to say nothing matters. So get this, though. Um, a few weeks ago, months ago, at the beginning of the year, we, I told you about how Johnny Enlow had released a word saying that the whole, he had received a word from the Lord that said the whole room would become an upper room, right? And what is the upper room talk about? The upper room was when the Holy Spirit fell on, on the disciples, right? It fell, fell on mankind and on the whole earth. And Tisa has been talking about these, about Joel 2, which talks about the Spirit of God falling on all man, um, and all men. So, and women. Um, so obviously that's, that's a thing we've been on, right? The Holy Spirit's been talking about that. Well, guess how Johnny Enlow first heard that. I didn't share this originally and it didn't stand out to me as being important, but now it does. He heard the phrase, everything, everywhere, all at once without knowing that there was a movie out. He heard the phrase, everything, everywhere, all at once. And the message behind that was that the Holy Spirit was going to fall on everything, everywhere, all at once. If you've been around here at all, then you know that when you see something being highlighted that the enemy's doing, it's the flip of what God's doing. It's the exact opposite. This movie won the most Academy Awards, I think, of any movie, and I don't know how long. Seven, seven Academy Awards were given to this movie. Seven, the number of perfection, the number of perfection, right? That is a sign. God is trying to highlight that. He speaks through these prophetic events that says that this is what I'm doing. It, you know, the movie can be whatever it is. It's just showing you, it's showing, it's revealing this. It's revealing this word. And so he's doing everything, everywhere, all at once as his spirit is touching. And it, with, with that one act, resolves this issue of fractured realities, of depression and all of this hopelessness. With one drop, it does that. Because with one drop of the glory of God falling on you and of the Holy Spirit falling on you, you know that he is the absolute truth. You know that he, there is one God. And that right there is your anchor to resolve every issue you have in life. And it's that simple. This is the kingdom age that's been talked about, that we're entering into the kingdom age where the body of Christ is going to manifest the glory of God on the earth at this point in time. In history, we get to the joy of living in this point in time in history. So how is God going to do that? How's God going to do that? How's he going to, to move through us to manifest his glory? And so it's on display for the world in the kingdom age unless he, unless he pours out his spirit everywhere, everything, all at once, Joel 2. 
So this is the Holy Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit is saying, he's telling his people, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm doing. Get on board with me, come with me, partner with me, allow this truth to be practical and personal for you. I have to read that last verse. Tisa mentioned it already, 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. The moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted and they see. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. It's that simple. Wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. The moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted. When his spirit falls, you just know. You know who he is. You may not agree with everything he wants you to do yet or everything you hear you should do. You might spend years disagreeing, with, but you know he's, he's the one. You know. And he's not nervous about your journey. But it is making him Lord in those places that brings true freedom. So, Papa, we just say thank you again, and we just thank you for this word. We thank you for your power, for your passion, that you are so persistent to get the word out, that you are so passionate about your people hearing the truth. You are so passionate about your people knowing hope. Hope, hope, hope. You are releasing hope. You are releasing freedom through hope, through the truth, for the knowledge that you are Lord, and we get to experience freedom. So we say yes and amen to what you're doing. We say yes and amen to your narrative for this point in time in history, for the human race, for the body of Christ. We say yes to your outpouring. We say pour it out, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. As much as you want to, Papa, we are open to receive. We want to be consumed. We want to be consumed by the greatness of your love. I pray that that would be each person's individual motto and uh, that they live by on a daily basis. That's the beauty of this life is that we get to take these concepts, these teachings, these outpourings, and we get to walk them out. And something as simple as going to the grocery store becomes a powerful, powerful Holy Spirit encounter for you and those around you. So we say yes to that, Papa. We say yes to that Holy Spirit. We say yes to that Jesus. And we say we love you, we love you, we love you. We give you our affection. We give you our hearts. And we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.